You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Thursday, February 29th, 2024. You know, this is all in an effort to increase that capacity throughout the downtown to get the stormwater uh, away from the downtown and to keep Kirkwood from flooding. Later in the program, WFHB News correspondent Elise Perry reports on the City of Bloomington's Hidden River Tunnel Project. More in today's feature report. Please support the center local agreement and let's make this happen once and for all. I think also there is demand for it. The private market would build it. Also coming up in the next half hour, the Bloomington City Council passed a resolution regarding the operation of the Monroe Convention Center. That's coming up next in your local headlines. The Bloomington City Council held its regular session on February 28th. During the meeting, the council heard a resolution to amend an interlocal agreement between the city and the county for the operation of the Monroe Convention Center as a capital improvement board. City Clerk Nicole Bolden provided an overview of the resolution. 2024-02 to amend resolution 2322, which approved an interlocal cooperation agreement between the City of Bloomington and Monroe County, Indiana for the operation of the Bloomington-Monroe County Capital Improvement Board and the Convention and Visitors Commission to reconcile two versions of the agreement. The synopsis is as follows. This resolution amends Resolution 2322 to reconcile two versions of an interlocal cooperation agreement between the city and the county for mutual and collaborative support of an expanded convention center, related amenities, and necessary related entities, including the Capital Improvement Board and Convention and Visitors Commission, managing the expansion project and convention center operations. This resolution adopts the version of the agreement approved by Monroe County in February 2024. Corporation Council Margie Rice expanded on the agreement, walking through some background on the initiative. Early this year, the county attorney came, uh, gave me a call, and we started talking. And uh, he and Stephen Lucas and I had some nice conversations, had lunch, reviewed these interlocal agreements, or this interlocal agreement, and made a few changes to it. Um, The most significant change took out language that provided for the city to make recommendations to the CVC, which is a board created by statute. It's already a pretty tightly written statute, and it requires hoteliers to be on the board, and it's pretty hard for the county to find the right people to to comprise that board. So um, it's not that you know, you guys can't informally make recommendations, but we felt, we all felt like taking that, that requirement out that the city council uh, made recommendations, which may or may not be adopted by the county, um, would make sense. It also was a stumbling block, I think, for the county council, or at least some county council members. And uh, so taking that out, there was a, a similar provision that said, um, that nobody, there, this interlocal requires that uh, you guys to create a building corp or the city to pr- 
um, create a building corp to issue the debt for a convention center. And there was a restriction in that and said that nobody, or that the CIB members, which is the Capital Improvement Board created by a county ordinance, um, that the CIB members would be the members of the uh, building corp. And we felt, I felt like that that was inappropriate you guys should be able to put the members um, on the building corp that you want. So that language was stricken. We feel like this is a fair interlocal. I would encourage you to uh, approve it. Once you approve it, um, it will go to the mayor for signature, and then it's complete because it's been uh, approved by the county. During public comment on the agenda item, Executive Director for Visit Bloomington, Mike McAfee, spoke in support of the legislation, saying it would promote tourism and economic development for the city. Approximately 2.5 million visitors came to Bloomington in 2023, 70% for leisure and 15% each for sports and business travel. Bloomington is a highly desirable meeting destination in the Midwest because of Indiana University and the connection to our walkable downtown with all the restaurants, nightlife shops, and attractions that help create experiences that can only be found here. Meeting groups want the atmosphere created by our university culture and the super cool community personality, and they love to spend money at those business establishments. This, is, this expansion, along with a new host hotel, will provide us with an opportunity to host groups of three to 500 people midweek when we have room to grow visitor business. Um, with the beauty of all that being that they go home on the weekend, when our hotels, restaurants, shops, and all those hospitality businesses are at their busiest. Hotels are 80% full on weekends, but 60% full midweek. This is an opportunity to create responsible, impactful travel growth when we need it most. In 2022, visitors spent $471 million in Monroe County, $155 million on food, $111 million on shopping, $81 million on lodging, and $30 million on entertainment. 42 million was spent locally in our area on the goods and supplies supporting that tourism economy. 500 new midweek business travelers will give a much needed economic bump to those businesses as their costs of doing business continue to rise. But it's much more than that. Along with IU and the organizations that bring business travelers to town, such as Cook Medical and The Mill, the convention center serves as a greeting card for our region. Often, it makes the first impression on a potential investor or talented workforce coming to our community that could invest or relocate here. We all know getting graduating students to stay here and recruiting talented workforce and families to move here is a challenging goal. The convention center is one of the necessary tools we need to do that. The business and all the experiences happening inside the convention center are important, but the connections sparked there that come to fruition outside the convention center walls are just as important for the future of our community. Please support the center local agreement, and let's make this happen once and for all. Director of Advocacy and Public Policy at the Bloomington Chamber of Commerce, Christopher Emge, also voiced his support for the resolution. As you know, and I've been here before when this was before you in, I believe, December, for multiple years now, the Chamber has been a strong advocate for the expansion of our uh, convention center. We are pleased with the progress with the CIB, and I will note that the CIB that is uh, before you this time is shorter and I think a, a better agreement with the county. I appreciate the work that uh, Corporation Council did, uh, Mr. Lucas, uh, Jeff Cockrell from the county on this. I think they did a, a really great job. I don't want to repeat anything that Mike McAvee said. I echo all of his sentiments. 
I have it right here, but I'm reading the room. You probably don't need to hear those. I just want to mention what this expanded convention center will do to benefit local charities and other civic organizations, because this is a civic, civic center as well, and it is very impactful for the community. Uh, these organizations depend on these large-scale events for their fundraising and outreach events. They need to raise the money to meet their mission. Because our existing center is inadequate of size to fully accommodate these events, our local civic and charitable organizations cannot achieve their full potential. I looked at my calendar for the 2023 year, so this might not include certain weekend events. I had 18 events that I went to at the convention center that year. It's, it's a center that's used quite a bit for many local organizations. Um, the Cooks Who Cares was just sold out last Saturday that was hugely successful and could benefit from this expansion. I thank you for your time and I appreciate it. Thank you. Executive Director of the Monroe Convention Center, Talisha Kopik, said she believes the resolution would benefit the interests of the convention center and the greater community. Then, City Councilor Kate Rosenbarger offered a dissenting perspective on the resolution, questioning how relevant expanding the convention center would be. Just kind of like commenting on what some folks have said, I don't know if Indiana Code allows for the private sector to build or maintain large meeting spaces over 200 people in our downtown area. So I don't know the answer to that. And so part, I mean, people have talked about not having any, but does code even allow it at this, at this point in time, you know, for anyone other than the city to, to build something like this? I think also there's demand for it. The private market would build it. I also think if we're talking about economic development in our downtown, so we want more people eating, drinking, shopping there, we have these blocks with the, with these parking lots and vacant spaces that could instead be housing, which is something our community so desperately needs, and this would be walking, transit-oriented housing that wouldn't just spur economic development 50% of the time, it would do it 100% of the time. So instead of trying to get people here on a short-term basis for a day or two, I think looking at more, getting more people into downtown permanently is a really good solution for small businesses to be able to stay open and make more money. Um, so another thing is just that there's been a lot of data over the decades on convention centers. I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep going about this. I guess I don't have to apologize. But Convention Center Information Nationally, there's a book, Convention Center Follies, and there are many articles out there about this. But the United States has seen a dramatic increase in convention center space in recent years. From 1989 to 2011, the amount of square footage devoted to convention space increased from 36.4 to 70.5 million square feet, an increase of 94%. The GAO calls the nation's supply of convention space, quote, abundant, while another expert says flatly, quote, there are too many convention centers, end quote. Meanwhile, demand for such spaces is largely flat, a phenomenon that exists independent of paradigm changes such as COVID-19 or 9-11. More than half of facilities nationwide report flat or falling attendance over the past decade, while the growth of convention center revenue has fallen 79% from Q1 2011 to Q2 2021. So... This is then just to like spark some like conversation, obviously not here at this council meeting because we don't tend to do that, but um, just in general. Parliamentarian for the council, Hopi Stalsberg, said that while she agrees with some of the points made by Rosenbarger, 
She's still voting in favor of the policy. I'm, I'm new to this game, right? I've uh, only been sitting here for about six weeks, so I'm new to this whole proposal, which has been ongoing for a number of years. And I uh, would probably say that I, I agree a lot with what Councilmember Rosenbarger just said about, about tourism, about the community sentiment um, through that survey around the importance of a convention center. But the reason why I'm going to vote for this interlocal tonight is because it has been being worked on for a long time. There are deadlines to do with when this money has to be spent. And I think that it's not practical to think about uh, uh, steering the boat in a new direction at this point and um, still managing to maintain all the dollars that we have been accumulating with this plan um, to move forward with a new convention center. So that, I think, is the summary of uh, my position tonight. Thank you. Council President Isabel Piedmont-Smith explained her previous view of the convention center expansion and how her views have progressed over the past few months. I'm, I was hesitant all along to raise money in order to expand a convention center because the convention business, uh, especially for a small city like Bloomington, is really um, focused, uh, reliant on uh, vehicles, cars, uh, fossil fuel um, transportation to get people here for those conventions. And um, so even in 2017, when Mayor Hamilton asked this body to uh, approve um, a resolution that asked the county council to pass the food and beverage tax. I abstained in that case. Um, I didn't feel like it was it was my role, and I wasn't real excited about uh, the prospect of uh, investing public funds in convention center expansion. Um, the you know the climate crisis has only gotten more dire, and so I still have those um, serious reservations. Um, I think that uh, my colleagues bring up some really good points um, as far as, uh, you know, what's the future of the convention center business? Is it really a good um, investment of public funds, given that so many in our community don't seem to prioritize it? Um, but I think at, at this point, I'm, I'm in support of this particular step. Um, I think we've gone... Uh, really far down the line with this planning. But I think that, um, just like Councilmember Flaherty said, I, I will be very circumspect in approving funding um, for the project to make sure that we have um, a sustainable uh, building and investment in public transportation from the airport and from our other communities in the state um, so that uh, we try to reduce the carbon footprint as much as we can and um, have funds left over um, to invest in other more sustainable um, economic development opportunities. And uh, I have no doubt, as Councilmember Flaherty said, that there will be land left over that has been banked by either the city or the county that won't all be needed for this expansion, which should go towards housing because we're in desperate need of more housing and uh, living um, in that area downtown would enable people to walk or, or bike to where they need to go and not be reliant on a, a car or at least driving very far. The council voted seven to one in support of the resolution, with Rosenbarger dissenting. The Bloomington City Council will meet for its regular session on March 6th.
in today's feature report, WFHB News correspondent Elise Perry reports on the city of Bloomington's Hidden River Tunnel Project. Perry speaks with local officials and business owners about the impact of the construction on downtown Bloomington. We turn to Perry for more. On February 5th, construction started on the final phase of the Hidden River Tunnel Project with the sound of breaking concrete and scraping metal behind the Vaughn Lee Building on Kirkwood Avenue. The project, which has been dubbed the Clear Creek Tunnel Project, is the last step in replacing the nearly 100-year-old tunnel that allows Campus River to flow under downtown Bloomington. The construction will be in progress until mid-October, during which the Kirkwood Avenue block between Indiana Avenue and Dunn Street will be closed for parking. In the middle of summer, Indiana Avenue will be closed between Kirkwood and 7th Street to reconstruct the portion of the tunnel underneath it. According to Adam Wayson, the director of Bloomington Public Works, the project will update downtown infrastructure to prevent flooding on Kirkwood. This is one of the major portions of the project that um, is part of the series of projects that will complete this overall stormwater project for the downtown. So when we talk about the downtown flooding instances of uh, 2019, 2019 I think was the last big downtown flood maybe, um, you know, this is all in an effort to increase that capacity throughout the downtown to get the stormwater uh, away from the downtown and to keep Kirkwood from flooding. In recent years, Bloomington has experienced major flooding on Kirkwood Avenue, notably in 2019 and 2021. In 2021, water between Dunn Street and Grant Street was thigh deep in some places, according to a previous WFHB report. The city is working with Milestone contractors. Milestone is the same company that completed the previous 1,829-foot phase of the Hidden River Tunnel Project between 2021 and 2023. Milestone Superintendent Thomas Gott worked on the previous project and is back for the current phase. He said that it is important that this project is done now to meet the needs of the growing town and the changing climate. So this these series of projects that we've had on this tunnel from dates back to early 90, 1990s, I think 99, I think is when they started on these on this tunnel project down by 2nd Street. It's, it's huge, uh, the impact that it's having. Uh, you hear a lot about climate change and more wet weather and it's raining more these days than it has in the past. The The infrastructure that Bloomington is constantly building, which adds more runoff and rainwater. Uh, so this, this box, not only has it lived its life, it needs to be upsized to keep continuing to grow with, with the infrastructure around Bloomington. Given the age of the current tunnel system, it has become outdated and inadequate for Bloomington's modern needs. Since the bustle of downtown surrounds the construction area, Gott says that public safety is their main concern. That's our top priority here at Milestone is safety. I mean, that's it's number one in our book. Um, so we take all the right precautionary steps when building projects like this. This is a unique project. Um, it's not only just a tunnel, but the traveling public. Uh, existing businesses and buildings that this is tunnels adjacent to is uh it's what makes it it makes it exciting uh I, for me i i enjoy these type of projects um but we do we do take the safety and the top priority out here according to a city press release street parking will be closed on dunn street in the north side of kirkwood avenue between dunn and indiana 
The parking lot at the Von Lee building will be closed and used for construction equipment, deliveries, and trash services. Indiana Avenue will experience a closure during summer to allow for the final part of the construction. According to the press release, quote, There will be traffic and parking limitations on and off throughout the spring. Indiana Avenue will be closed for approximately 10 weeks, but will reopen by early August 2024, before Indiana University students return to the Bloomington campus for the fall semester. Full project completion, including plantings, will occur in October, end quote. To account for the road closure, Bloomington Transit will be rerouting their buses from Indiana Avenue to Lincoln Street. In the summer, buses 12 and 14 do not run, so they will only be changes to the 1N and 9 routes. Due to the advanced notice, rerouting for the summer months will be mostly undisruptive. Planning and Special Projects Manager Shelley Stromitis says that Bloomington Transit is used to adapting to quickly changing conditions. I will say it's a lot of things in transit is it's just responding in the moment to events. So, I mean, just this morning, there's a big accident on one of our roads close to the intersection uh, and our drivers are, are just so experienced and they they know what to do immediately. They call it in to dispatch. We put a notification on, you know, try, and, try and put a notification on social media within an hour um, or on our bus tracking app. And then um, we just, we find a detour route and uh, and keep it moving. So if we have advanced notice, we'll, we'll try and plan that out and get it out to the public. But um, we fly by the seat of our pants every once in a while too. <laughs> Stromitis added that while transit is accustomed to adapting to changing road conditions, it is not the same for businesses. I think that's the thing is like, us in transit, we are always looking, you know, we have Google notifications anytime there's a story about any road closure, detours, anything like that. We're we're, we're very well aware and we work really well with the city. I mean, some, we'll also get notified from people in the city because they know we're impacted. But if you're a business and you're only impacted, you know, once every five or 10 years, you're not, you're not looking for it, uh, even though the information is readily available. So I could see why that might be a little difficult for them. Some small businesses are worried about the impact of the construction over the summer months. Neither street parking nor outdoor dining will be available for businesses on the construction block of Kirkwood this summer. Parking meters also have closure notices that last until August at the earliest and October at the latest. The Ritz Hair Studio on Dunn Street has been negatively affected by both Kirkwood flooding and the Hidden River Tunnel project. The owner, Trevor Werner, said that 2021 was a particularly bad time for flooding and the city did not provide assistance. We had just remodeled in here, and then back in 2021, that's when Kirkwood had flooded enormously. And we had to take up everything, replace all of our chairs because they were over the hydraulic pumps. We had to replace our recliners, our flooring, um, treat for mold. Um, and we had no local assistance, you know, with the city helping us um, with that. We could reach out to FEMA, but that would be months um, for us to get any sort of assistance. So it was just less us having to get through the savings, going into the savings and trying to fix what, what had happened. And for all businesses around here, because we weren't in a flood zone to have the flooding insurance. So it was basically, you fix it on your own dime. And this city just didn't help with that situation. Werner says that when the city started the Hidden River Tunnel project in 1999, the Ritz was affected by a lack of parking, and he is disappointed in the way that the city is handling it now. It impacted the business then um, when my uncle had it, but then, but today, you know, like I said, um, we have such a huge student clientele, but when those students go home for the summer, it's it does die down a lot. So. That's when we have to outreach for local 
people, you know, tagging them, trying to advertise for that and bringing them in. But like I said, if there's no parking and they have to park a far away, that's going to deter clients coming in here. So that's that's our biggest concern is for sure. I believe that it is going to impact, you know, our business for the summer months. Werner suggests that to help the businesses, the city should try to work with IU to provide more downtown parking during construction. He mentioned that the IU lots would be a great alternative if they weren't more expensive than street parking. I would personally like for the city and IU to get on the same page um, because where they have placed the parking garage, especially on there on 4th Street, that's great. It's beautiful. But that's not where majority of the downtown um, people come to. They want to come down here to Kirkwood. But when you have lots that's mainly majority IU and there is limited parking, street parking through the city, granted you can park here uh, in the um, in the IU lot, but that is $3 an hour compared to a dollar an hour on the street. So when people find out that it's $3 an hour and they can park on the street, they're going to look for the parking. But then when there's no parking available and it's $3, then they have to they have to go to that source and park in the garage. But I believe that there should be more parking garages around um, because there's no more land, so the only way is to build up. So if the city and Bloomington, um, the city of Bloomington and IU could get on the same page and find a, a, a solution, then that would be great. The construction is expected to last until the middle of October. Currently, neither the city nor IU have plans to create extra parking for the duration of the project. While this project is necessary for updating the city's infrastructure, the impact on downtown summer activities remains to be seen. For WFHB News, I'm Elise Perry. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noelle Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Elise Perry. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB.
been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 